Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. My name is Sergio Garcia, and I am your host of this podcast called Why Math? And it is just about that mathematics, math, or math. Probably one of the most hated subjects in school. And that's not just me making a statement. You can look it up yourself. Go to Google and type most hated subject in school, and most likely it will be mathematics. One article that I'm going to quote from directly is called Finance Quick Fix. And it was just published in March of this year. It stated the nine most hated subjects in school. And number one was math. And this is what it said. And I quote, There's no denying that math is one of the most hated subjects in the world. While it is logical and follows distinct rules, people tend to hate it because of the intense and complex calculations, notes, and often lack of really good explanation by the teachers. I am a teacher, a math teacher, and I can tell you that math is not so bad. Now, I do admit some of it can be a little boring, maybe a little dull, but it's not the fact that the teachers are explaining it like that. It's just some of the material can be pretty hard to understand. That's why in my class, I always try to explain it in real world terms and make it meaningful. And that's why I made this podcast. It's made for those who always ask themselves, why are we doing this? When are we going to need this? Why with the mental abuse of math? Well, I can tell you that I'm here to help. So let's begin our journey of explaining why math. And we are going to start off right at the beginning. Let's take it way back. We begin with the history of math and we start with the Ishango bone. According to a website called Mathagon, the Ishango bone was found in 1950 in the Republic of Congo, and then it was reported that it was probably used around 20,000 BCE. Now, what about this bone? What's so special about it? The Ishango bone had tally marks on it. It had little notches on it that was used for counting. It looks like uh, our ancestors were keeping track of something. It has little notches in the form of tallies. They could have used it for counting their crops, counting people, counting days. Uh, it's not really known how they used it, but what it is known is that they form patterns and it looks like it was used as a mathematical tool. As it was mentioned earlier, the bone was used around 20,000 BCE. What does BCE mean? Well, I will record a future episode on explaining what BCE is. All that you have to know right now as far as BCE is that it was a really, really long time ago. Our ancestors were using this tool around 22,000 years ago. If you really think about it, these people back in the day, they were so resilient. They were using math at that time. To think that they were using tally marks to count stuff, it's just amazing to me. And now, more than 20,000 years later, you know, we evolved so much in mathematics. But at the same time, we still use tally marks today. We use it in preschool and kindergarten. These students are learning how to count using tally marks. Uh, sometimes they start counting by ones and then they start counting by fives. So it is used today, just like it was over 20,000 years ago. So I'm about to answer our first why. Why do we use tally marks? Well, because our ancestors did. They did it to keep track of stuff. They did it to count the days. They did it to count stuff in general. They didn't have calculators. They didn't have iPhones. It was over 20,000 years ago. This is why we count in general, because our ancestors did. Now, let's continue our journey through the history of math and fast forward 16,000 years later. 
We are at the year 4200 BCE. We are in Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia is the area around modern Iraq. Based on artifacts that we have found, it is believed that around this time is when the first wheel was used. Now the first wheel was used in pottery. It is believed before this time they manually made the clay pots by molding it, folding it, patting it. So it is around this time 4200 BCE or 4000 BCE. The first wheels were potter's wheels and were not used for transportation. They were known as turrets or slow wheels. So think about the wheel. The wheel is a circle and the circle has a radius. The circle has a diameter the circle has a center so they were using math almost 6,000 years ago it would take almost another thousand years where we would begin to see the first vehicles with wheels appear in Mesopotamia which is the area around Iraq and Eastern Europe before the invention of the wheel uh, large heavy objects were typically dragged on some form of sled early wheeled vehicles were almost certainly four-wheeled there was some clay tablets found in Iraq that they showed four-wheeled vehicles the four-wheeled vehicles were dated around 33 to 3100 BCE. Two-wheeled vehicles came along slightly later. The first known depiction is dated around 3402 to 2800 BCE and was found in a grave gallery in Germany. Let me pause for a moment. The clay tablets that I talked about earlier, we will talk more about them later on. Around 3000 BCE is when we started seeing the two-wheeled wood chariots used in Mesopotamia. Around 1000 years later, in 2000 BCE is where we see the first spoked wheels. The wheels were invented in Turkey. The spokes on the wheels made the wheels lighter, giving the Sintashta an upper hand in warfare. From 850 to 400 BCE, the first iron rims for Celtic chariots were used. The first wheelbarrows were not invented until 150 CE, which is now in the common era in China. We are now in the common era, and in the year 1500 is when the first stagecoach with horses were used in England. Now in 1600, the first pleasure wheels were invented in Bulgaria. You can think of pleasure wheels as an early form of a Ferris wheel. In 1680, the first tricycle was invented in Germany. Roller skates were invented in 1743 in Belgium. In 1804, the first train was built in Great Britain. In 1817, the first bicycle was made in Germany. That same year, the first modern roller coaster was also invented. In 1885, the first motor car was invented. And again, it was in Germany and by a man called Benz. That same year, the first motorcycle was also invented in Germany. We are now at the part of the show where we answer another why. Why do we start learning about geometry during our math career in school? Because of the circle. And talking about the circle, we talk about wheels. The wheel is probably one of the most important inventions ever. And again, you can look it up. Go to Google and type in one of the most important inventions of all and the wheel will be up there along with the telephone and the light bulb. So that is why it is very important to learn about the circle in geometry as part of mathematics. If you ever drive a car, it's important to you. If you have ever ridden a bicycle, it's important to you. If you have ever skated, it's important to you. If you love roller coasters, it's important to you. Also, if you love low riders, it's important to you. So this is why we learn about circles in geometry pertaining to mathematics. We continue this first episode by talking about the writing materials used in math. Today, we use pencils, pens, we use computers, we use software. What did people use back in the day as far as writing utensils? Let's explore that now. When I talk about writing utensils, I'm also going to include writing materials. So let's begin. 
around 3200 to 3100 BCE in the river plains of Mesopotamia where writing was first developed, clay was an easily available commodity. It becomes the writing material of the temple scribe. Their implement is a piece of reed cut to form a rectangular end. These two ingredients define the first script. Characters are formed from the wedge-shaped marks which a corner of the reed makes when pressed into the damp clay, a style of writing known as cuneiform. Clay tablets dried hard in the sun make an almost indestructible temple archive but they are not very convenient for sending messages. We now move on to the Egyptian papyrus, which was around 3000 BCE. Around that time, people begin making a flexible smooth surface, which will accept and retain ink without blur or smudge. It is known by the name of the aquatic plant which provides the structure, papyrus. It will remain in regular use longer than any other material in the history of written documents. The papyrus is a form of rush which grows by the Nile. To make it scroll, strips are cut down the length of the plant, the broader ones are laid side by side to form a rectangle, and others are then laid across at right angles. By a process of wetting and pressure, sometimes with added adhesive, the two layers bind. They are then hammered flat and dried in the sun, after which the upper side is polished smooth with a piece of ivory or shell. Up to 20 of the rectangles can be pasted together at their short ends to be rolled up and sold in a form of a scroll. Almost every book in the ancient civilizations of Egypt, Greece, and Rome is a papyrus scroll of this type. The material has been one of the most important elements in the history of writing. We move on to 1500 BCE in China. The bamboo proves as a convenient writing material just as papyrus in Egypt. Chinese characters at this early period are written in vertical columns, so a thin strip of bamboo is ideal for a single column. To create a longer document, two lines of thread link each bamboo strip to its neighbor. The modern Chinese character for a book evolves from a pictogram of bamboo strips threaded together. Bamboo books survive from as early as about 400 BCE. The records indicate that they were in use at least a thousand years earlier in the Shang Dynasty. Around 5 BCE, wax, leaves, and wood were used. In 2 BCE, Pergamum and parchment paper were used. This was used in the Mediterranean region. Finally, around 105 CE, which is now in the Common Era, China invents paper. This Chinese paper was made of rags, fibers of mulberry, laurel, and Chinese grass. To make a sheet of paper, these substances are repeatedly soaked, pounded, washed, boiled, strained and bleached. The mush is left to drain in a mesh frame and then dried. The result is thinner and more flexible than papyrus or parchment and much more adaptable to methods of large-scale production. This secret takes a thousand years to reach Europe. It was not until the 1800s that we start using wood to make paper. This was done in Maine and Massachusetts. We now look at the actual writing utensils. What was used back in the day to actually write? Well, in ancient Mesopotamia, what they used was a triangular stylus to write on soft clay tablets, which would later be baked. The Romans wrote on wax tablets with styluses, allowing them to erase written text. Clay tablets were heavy and brittle. Wax tablets were not heat resistant. Because of that, people tried to find other solutions. They appeared as writing tools that used pigment of some sort. Scribes of ancient Egypt used reed pens made from a single reed straw cut and shaped into a point. As a surface for writing with these pens, papyrus was used. Reed pens didn't last long 
long and were too stiff, so they were replaced with quills. Quills are pens made from the flight feathers of large birds. So this is what you see when you're watching an old movie and somebody is writing with a feather. The hollow shaft of these feathers hold the ink, which flows to the tip, which is cut into the shaft by capillary action. Different materials were written on with quills, like parchment and vellum. It is known that some of the Dead Sea Scrolls dating back to 100 BCE was written with quills. In the 1600s, when writing became more popular, quills were made more flexible and cut to a point. Some 100 years earlier, graphite deposits were discovered in England, which marked the birth of pencils that didn't use ink, but a core of a solid pigment graphite in the beginning, and later a mixture of powder graphite and clay. They were covered in leather and later in the thin wooden cylinder as we still do today. They became popular because they were easy to use, couldn't spill, and could be easily erased if a mistake is made, unlike ink. Some even come with an eraser on one end. The popularity of quills lasted until the 1800s when the first pens with metal nibs appeared. So you can see that there was a development pertaining to writing materials. We now get to our last why of this episode. Why do we use pencil and paper in math class? Well, look at the struggle. The struggle we had to go through to eventually get it right. We started off by pounding a stylus shaped like a wedge onto a clay tablet. Then we moved on to the papyrus. We were doing this to get information to other people. The clay tablets were reporting losses and gains. The papyrus was easier to transport. The clay tablets can break. We plucked birds to use their feathers as pens. From the papyrus, we moved on to actual paper. From the quill, which is a feather we moved on to the actual pencil and then we went to pen and then we went back to pencil so this is why we use pencils in math because you can erase they do make pens that you can erase but it's not the same so pencil is always the best tool to use in math class and let's not forget about paper we did see the struggle in that till we finally got it right this is why we use pencil and paper in math class Well, we have come to the end of our first episode. I want to thank all of you that have tuned in today. I want to thank my family. I want to thank my students. And I want to thank a man who inspired me to make this podcast. I will not mention his name, but he did inspire me. He was my colleague this year. Thank you very much to him. Until next time on this show, Why Math? Why Math?